Welcome, listeners, to Full Time Photographer. If this is your first time here, this is the podcast that takes you behind the lens into the world of successful photography businesses. I'm your host, John Stell, and I've spent years honing the craft and the art of marketing as a full time photographer. In this show, we'll dive deep into the strategies that propel photographers from passion to profession, from branding that leaves a lasting impression to digital marketing techniques that elevate your visibility. Join me as we unravel the mysteries of search engine optimization, demystify the powers of social media, explore the nuances of client relationships through our candid conversations. You'll hear expert interviews, practical tips, and whether you're an established pro looking for fresh insights or just starting out on this exciting journey, this podcast is crafted with you in mind. Together, we'll navigate the marketing maze one click at a time. Welcome again. Today on the show, I have Bobby Altman. Bobby is a good friend of mine. I've known Bobby for a long time. Um, Bobby is an advertising and editorial photographer based in South Carolina. Uh, On your bio, (laughs) on your website that I got, it says that uh, you consider yourself a true field to plate photographer. There is something special to be said about being connected to your food. The cultures integrated in the South are where he draws his inspiration. His expertise are small, fast, and nimble. That's the approach he uses, and he's brought to photo shoots for the past decade. Utilizing small crews and being mobile while producing authenticity in photographs is where he He is currently living in South Carolina in the low country. He's partial to saltwater and pine plantations, and his happy place will always be in the mountains. Um, within a day trip to these southeastern cities, Atlanta, Asheville, Birmingham, Charleston, Charlotte, Nashville, Raleigh, and Savannah, Georgia. So I'm stoked to get to talk to you, man. I'd, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. I'm stoked to be on this. I think it's a cool concept, man. Thanks for having me. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into it, man. I'd like to, I'd like to hear about when you got started and where you live and what the market's like. And yeah. So, um, so based in South Carolina, uh, I live in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. Um, so a uh, big tourist destination, but the market here for advertising and editorial photography is um, pretty non-existent. Uh, the local market is is pretty low budget. Um, so that's why I don't, I don't market this area in any kind of, kind of real way. I usually just say that I'm based out of South Carolina. All my work is travel-based anyway, so I'm usually shooting in other cities or states or whatever happens to be. Why do you think that is just cause it's not like a bigger city in South Carolina or, or just like big companies aren't based here? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's lack of, um, like larger companies that know how it operates. Like most of the businesses here, um, they've been owned by locals here for a long time. There's really not any big marketing agencies around the area. Um, the closest you're going to, you're going to get to that is Charleston, South Carolina, which is a couple hours away. Yeah. Um, so I think people just aren't educated on it um, in how it operates, um, you know, just in other parts of the country. Um, so because of that, the budgets tend to be pretty low for a lot of jobs here. A lot of restaurants want to, you know, not spend a whole lot of money and then try to use photos for 10 years or more, whatever <laughs> it happens to be. So, Which is fun. We can get into uh, some licensing agreements with that one, man. I think one of my first, uh, one of my first gigs ever, it was like 15 years ago. And the first time I ever shot food um, was at this place called Berkey's Grill. Uh, Berkey's Grill is a great place to eat little fifties diner, like hot dogs, hamburgers and milkshakes kind of thing. Um, But they're still running a table tent from the photo that I shot, you know, on that shoot. 15 years ago and it's 
terrible every time I eat it oh there. I like God. cringe a little bit about it. Like That's so funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about trying to do some marketing for them because it's one of those deals where like you almost want to do it for free because they've been there for so long and and you almost could just like make it cool, especially after seeing people like Thomas Andrew Lee do really cool stuff with just like crappy hamburgers or whatever. And they're probably not crappy. I, I last thing I saw, it was just like paper boats and foil and whatever, but yeah, no, it is. And to be honest with you, that's actually exactly what it was. It was for a little like startup, uh, ad agency here in the area at the time. And they had kind of offered some like local businesses, um, a photo shoot and some table tent designs, you know, in order to put their own like logo information at the bottom of it kind of thing. Dude, can you imagine how many of those they had ordered? Dude, what a terrible idea. Like, <laughs> I, I, to be honest with you, like that agency, did, that was my first photo, like staff photography position and, and it didn't last long and the agency folded and, and just, uh, I think they were like some creative guys, but they didn't have a whole lot of like business sense behind them. Yeah. It's like, oh man, we could just take some pictures and you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> Well, dude, how long have you been uh, doing what you're doing? Uh, so I guess like that was that was almost 15 years ago. Um, so I guess I've been shooting photos for about that long, really, maybe a little bit longer. Um, you know, up before that, kind of up to that point, it was like as a hobby, shooting friends, skateboarding and some dirt bike stuff and things like that. that I was just like into that didn't really go anywhere. wasn't really wasn't planning to go anywhere. Um, I did get a, my first kind of stringer job was for the, the daily newspaper here uh, in town shooting high school sports. And that I, at that time, I really wanted to be a journalism photographer, but the direction the newspapers were going and things like that at the time was, was downhill pretty quick. So I got this job at this ad agency as a staff photographer, shooting some food, uh, some other kind of area hospitality stuff, super low budget, and really just kind of kind of learning on the job while I was there. Uh, that agency went under. I left and have been doing my own things ever since, which I guess has been about 12 years at this point. Yeah, dude. I think trial by fire is the way, uh, the best, I don't know, maybe there's some, I don't know. I think the people that I look up to most have similar stories that they just started working. They just started taking photos and then somebody asked them to do it for money and then Next thing they're like, dude, this is what I want to do for money from now on. And they just put all their eggs in that basket and start going. Dude, it's, it's all trial by fire, man. I don't know anybody that, that started out in photography and was like, I want to be an advertising editorial photographer. I'm sure there, there was people out there that, that have their shit together better than I did. Um, but I think as a photographer, you know, everybody starts out like shooting whatever they can, can shoot. You know, at the time when I left and did my own thing, like I was trying to shoot weddings and families and whatever came along, I would take it and shoot it kind of thing. And, uh, Really, at the time, I wanted to shoot like action sports editorial stuff. Um, I hate calling it action sports. I don't really, it's super, <laughs> super Mountain Dew to me, but uh, you know, skateboarding and kiteboarding was actually my first kind of national published thing. Uh, but it took me a long time to kind of figure out where I wanted to like nestle in in terms of a, a niche and, a, and subject matter and things like that. And, um, and once I figured that out, though, it, 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 things got exponentially better for me. Well, do you think it was a pretty like easy transition from say skateboarding? Cause I remember seeing that stuff being like, damn, this stuff is so dope. And like, it looks straight up thrasher trans world stuff into what you're doing now, which is outdoor lifestyle. What, what do you, what do you, what exactly would you call it? Like outdoor 
Yeah. So I, um, I shoot outdoor sporting lifestyle. So, um, a lot of hunting and fishing photography, um, you know, people just kind of, kind of enjoying the outdoors as a whole. I think that the skateboarding motocross, like kiteboarding stuff, like, like, I think that helps in the sense of like teaching you how to shoot things that are moving. Um, and some of it moving like relatively fast happening quick. Uh, you know, the skateboarding thing was cool because we were not supposed to be at street spots, but we were coming in and setting up lights and strobes and whatever else and having to like shoot something quick before we got kicked out and move on. So, uh, teaching you how to think on your feet and things like that. But I think that's, that's really it, you know, in terms of, of what translated for me in terms of moving on to something else, there's no, uh, you know, at the time, like I didn't really have any business sense behind it or anything like that. I was just like out there shooting it, trying to, trying to make something happen. Looks like it was super fun, man. I remember seeing a lot of those photos and just being like, damn dude, how do I get how do I get in front of the camera? How do I, or like, what can I do to shoot some stuff like this? Cause I think like a natural thing for skateboarders was filming the skateboarding, right? Filming somebody and then shooting photos so that you had, you could make a part or you could put together a zine or whatever, which is still yeah. kind of stuff you're doing, right? Well, well, it adds validity to what you're doing, right? Like as a skateboarder, like nobody's going to know that you lip slid this rail, like unless there's like proof of it. Right. So Pixar, it didn't happen, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, 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 tell, tell people all day long. Um, so I think that's like, yeah, like naturally like the photo video stuff comes along with that type of, of sport or activity or whatever it happens to be anyway. Yeah, I see a lot of people that started in that kind of in that realm and their stuff is always so dope. And I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's just like taking it right. You start in the street is gritty and then you can just move into like refining it into something that's just way better or even understanding, okay, well, this is what the client wants. This is what I'm able to produce. And, or maybe it's just trendy. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, and it's super gritty though. It's real hood rat. Like everything that we did was, was, was hood rat anyway, <laughs> you know, and, uh, hood rat, you mean illegal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's something along those lines and just, uh, I mean, but I have a series of portraits of skate kids that I shot back then and, and, and skate photos that I kind of paired with it. I actually was talking with another photographer buddy, uh, Matthew Carter about this a while back. And I was like, man, I have these images that I thought about like trying to show somehow, um, you know, just kind of as a pass. But I, at the time, like was putting them, them together, like side by side and had this like massive fucking watermark across the bottom of it. And, uh, you know, it's Let Bob, bobbyaltman.com. And at the time that was like, what I thought was like the pinnacle of what was going to get me work. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Why did I do that to those, these pictures? And I don't have original <laughs> files anymore, you know, <laughs> anything like that. So well, dude, Matthew, not to gash you up though, man, that was, that was always sick though. To like, I was like, yeah, uh, not that you couldn't tell. Cause it, you're the only one that was shooting stuff in this certain style, but it was like, okay. So it was like a bragging, right? Like if you were going to do something good and you had somebody else take your photo, like, why didn't you just call Bobby? Like what the fuck? Yeah, it, 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 it was, I remember at the time, like, like an older guy, like kind of said something to me about it. And I was like, I don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is like, how else are people going to know that I took these pictures, you know, and things like that. And, uh, but now I see, see it otherwise and, uh, wish that I didn't do it, but talking to Matthew and he was, he brought out, he's like, you know, maybe make it a blog post and talk about like progression and realizing like things that you shouldn't have done in the past and, and stuff like that. So. Oh dude. And it's so insightful, especially when you first start, you see, and I don't know what your influences were, but 
you know, in magazines, you never saw a watermark on something, but I don't know that anybody ever put that together. I think it was other like crappy. And I say that, but they're like these artists, urbex people doing portraiture, people doing weird stuff, like super out of the, you know, non-paying hobbies type photography that was you know, they're blasting their watermark on it because they were worried that somebody from the Flickr community would steal their photo and they wouldn't get all the <laughs> accolades from it or something. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, that's what it is. You don't, you definitely don't see watermarks anywhere in the real world at all, but I was seeing it from other like, you know, like mediocre at best photographers at the time that I was kind of looking up to, I guess at the point, I, I probably shouldn't say that. Let's not talk shit about other photographers. Um, I was seeing other photographers like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're mediocre or you're talking shit? Dude, about no, I'm talking shit about it. I'm talking yeah, shit about yeah, it yeah. because I mean, right. But that's where you learn, right? You learn from people below you, you learn from people above you. But I remember looking at that watermark, seeing people's watermark and just thinking, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Not that I knew any better. And then after talking to people like you or talking to, you know, Matthew or, uh, you know, Christopher Shane or any of those guys like, what are you doing with the watermark thing, dude? That's obnoxious. Yeah. You know, it's already on your website. You don't, well, you know, <laughs> at the time, like, I don't even know that I really had a website. We're talking, this is 2006 or something. Yeah. Like if I had a website, uh, well, actually I remember my first website and it was the worst thing. Um, but you know, I was posting it on, like you said, like Flickr and Facebook was like the pinnacle of like where everybody was going to see my work. Yeah. Or MySpace. <laughs> and I was past MySpace. Oh, like, come on, yeah. bro. <laughs> don't act like you too good for MySpace. That's, uh, <laughs> That, that's where that's where the the chickies was at. <laughs> that's where where I met my wife. All right, man, that was weird. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh man, dude, I logged into my not logged in, but I somebody had a link to MySpace on their website, and it's so bad. It's all music. None of it is. It, there's like broken links everywhere. I don't know that. Uh, I don't think it's being properly maintained. Let's, let's just say that. I can't imagine. No, man, that's funny. I don't think it was properly maintained back then either, so. We were maintaining it pretty well. Yeah. yeah. It was monitored daily. <laughs> How about yours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you primarily find your clients now? So now it's, um, it's, so I don't ever market directly to business owners. Um, and I think that maybe that is a product of the area that I live in as a whole. Um, but instead of it being kind of B2B, I usually go, um, like straight to an agency or magazine, like photo editor or something like that. Uh, so usually I'm just doing some research and finding an agency or something on Instagram that I like, or I, you know, their work kind of resonates with what I do. And I'm trying to find out who like the players are there. <clears throat> and then I'm reaching out to them directly. Uh, usually it's through some form of email or, uh, you know, something, something along those lines. Uh, so a lot of times it was getting kind of lost in the mix. So now like marketing efforts have, have become a little bit more personal. So I'm trying to find brands that I think are doing work that resonates with me. Um, and I will research stuff they've done, reach out to, uh, some of the key players, you know, at the agency or magazine or whatever happens to be, and just kind of mention like, Hey, like I saw this spread looks super dope, whatever it happened to be. Uh, and then I'll attach, you know, one page kind of PDF of, of images that I think are relevant to that particular agency or that person or something like that along those lines. Um, I think some of my marketing has 
started to take, uh, like, I don't want to call it like a street team style approach, but the skateboarder in me loves stickers and the skateboarder in me loves, um, zines. Uh, so I have a series of like stickers that I usually do and I'll send out and give to people on set and things like that. Uh, the zine isn't something that I've done yet, but it's something that I'd like to try and, and add in, um, you know, to the mix of things that I'm doing in terms of uh, having on set, uh, you know, laid out on a table for people to take with them, but also something that I can mail, uh, you know, in terms of uh, kind of a, a, a promo and things like that to people that I've already reached out to and talked to through email or whatever it happens to be. There are people that like want to see your updated work. And I think, right. I mean, having tangible products is always, I don't know. It's just so much different than looking at it digitally. I mean, I look at a digital image. I'm like, man, that's cool. You know, I like it. Yeah. But then when you see it in print, it's like, you know, damn, my name's right there. The photo looks good, man. Wow. All right. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. And it puts a series all together. You know, um, you, you, you don't, I don't think you get to experience it the same way scrolling on a website or a gallery or something like that versus like, like you said, like flipping through a book um, for a series of whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Or even seeing, I mean, uh, I know your stuff gets used in a lot of catalogs. So even getting to see like the physical catalog of how they used the images you shot on this production, like how they all flow together and how the creative team put that in a catalog. It's always, you're like, man, all right, look at this. All right. Or how they paired up other stuff. What's the last question? The thousand dollars. Yeah. If you only had a thousand dollars for my, so I would just say like, we just talked about, so on that note, like, yeah, on that note, if you only had a thousand dollars for marketing, how would you spend it? Um, so I think, yeah, I noticed that you do a lot of like networking, especially while we're on set. Cause I've, I've definitely assisted for you a few times. And when you're on set, it seems like you're, you're definitely building relationships. You, that way, you know, you have repeat clients out of these, whatever creative directors or art buyers or whoever they are. And it seems like they pass your name along quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm super terrible at networking, uh, you know, going to like networking events and, and, and just going kind of blindly like meeting people. Uh, but I do feel like I'm pretty good at maintaining a relationship that's kind of already built. Um, it's just a matter of, of getting to that point first. Yeah. It seems like, you know, once you make a connection, you're able to keep it going and follow, right. Is that, is that right? You follow, uh, yeah. So I'm no good at doing like networking events and things like that. If we're talking about networking, but what I am, uh, what I do try to do is keep it, um, you know, fairly human. And, and I think that things have transitioned away from doing a whole lot of kind of like email newsletter slash like e-blast kind of, kind of marketing stuff. Um, and now it tends to be more personal email stuff. So, um, I try to research these companies a little bit. Uh, like I said, they're already companies that are doing work that I feel like resonates with me in some capacity. So I usually just find something that they've done and try to like sprinkle in some like genuine kind of kind of opinions, like feedback on that work. Feedback's not really the right word. I don't guess I'm not like critiquing it in any way. I'm just like telling them that I'm stoked on something that I've seen that they've done. And, uh, you know, and then in that email uh, along the way, kind of just attaching a one page PDF, you know, or something like that of work that's relevant to that particular person that I've done. How do you, do you feel like it's super important to keep your, previous clients or personal relationship. I say, right. 
would you say in personal relationships, like keep them up to date with the work that you've been doing or projects that you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. Every time I do a website update or, you know, new project that I think is going to be relevant to whoever they are, like I'm usually going to reach out. Um, I try to stay like connected with those people somehow on social media, even if it's, you know, just liking posts or whatever, leaving comments periodically, things like that. You can explain to me, you know, if you haven't talked to somebody in a while and you send them an email updating them on your work and you guys reconnect is, you know, that's always probably a, a bit of a celebration, right? In like an email thread back to back or back and forth. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's a celebration, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's it's really just keeping your name kind of in their mind, like fresh. You know, agent, art directors are constantly being marketed to by other photographers and, and just other people in general. So, um, so you know, if you just kind of go radio silent, then you're going to get forgotten really quick. It's nothing personal or anything like that. It's just like they got a bunch of shit going on. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, whatever I do, like no matter what I do, I don't want to take up a ton of their time like in doing it. So I try to make everything as easy as possible, include links in the email if I need to, or that one page, you know, something like that. They don't have to download, they don't have to sign into anything, uh, or they don't have to do any like extra work. And I'm not writing them, you know, lengthy paragraphs or anything like that. It's just, just saying what's up, like yeah. touching base. Um, and I feel like this is all like super basic, like kind of, kind of one-on-one on how to maintain those relationships. I've, I've reached out to people before too, and we'll do a back and forth. Like this is what I've been working on. And then sometimes they'll even send me stuff back and be like, well, this is the stuff we've been working on and we are really stoked on it. And we really like this direction or, um, you know, this is a new client that we picked up and, you know, maybe as we kind of lay down the foundations of our relationship, you know, agency to client, we would love to bring you in and use you to, you know, shoot the next campaign or shoot this next ad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it goes that way. You know, um, I mean, a lot of times you don't hear anything and that's nothing personal either. It's just like, they just got, they got a ton of stuff on their plate. So, um, so it's tough to like write everybody back, especially when it's not, you know, not something that's super important, but it is something that, you know, you just, you've touched on them one more time. You've got your name in front of them again. You know, I know I said that this seems like super basic one-on-one, but I, there's a lot of photographers that I talk to that, that seem to drop the ball on this because it's really easy to, to not reach out, you know, to people. It's really easy to assume that, you know, you shot for them once, so you're their guy now. Like, yeah, it's just not. Well, I mean, dude, at the end of the day, that's work, right? That's the work part of this. Well, and that might be how it works for, for like a local photographer. You know what I mean? Like you get a, you get a, you get a local restaurant client and you shot their stuff and they're happy with you and they're probably going to use you over and over and over again. And, and ultimately like a lot of agencies are using multiple photographers for multiple jobs and things like that. They're pairing photographer styles with campaigns and different clients and things like that. So it's, again, it's like, it's nothing personal. It's just that, uh, that you're just not the only one. Yeah, no. And I think that kind of goes back to, uh, and I've heard it a thousand times, right. And you hear like, Oh, there's enough work for everybody. And that's kind of where that comes into play is that, you know, different companies have different styles, different agencies, like different things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think consistency and showing up, which would win you more bids than just yeah. being like, yo, I haven't talked to you in a year. Will you hire me? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it's ultimately, it's why there's no gatekeeping in this industry. And it's why like nobody owns a client. You know, I think that's, that's something that people have a tough time uh, once they move out of their local market, you move outside of that. And that, that, sort of thing doesn't really like exist as a whole. And I think that's a lot, it takes a, uh, it takes a lot for photographers to kind of understand that like, you know, I shot for this agency, but 
hey man, like you should go shoot for this agency. Like that'd be super cool. Like there's no, like you don't shoot the same shit that I shoot anyway. And there's like really nothing stopping them from hiring you. And I just like, we should celebrate that we're all getting f- fucking work here. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, I feel that same way. It's nice to see, you know, it's, it's, and it's nice to have that foot in, especially if you're somebody that you're just starting out to have somebody that's like kind of vetting you within the agency and saying, Hey, this dude is good. Call this guy. This client is local, you know, within two hours, he can do a good job. You should try him out or she, whoever, and then just keep kind of pushing people in and out of the business. And that's happened to, I mean, you've done that for me a few times. I've tried to do that for other people. It's sometimes it backfires, but you know, other times it doesn't. Oh, um, it's backfired on me real bad a couple times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it, but I, I like that, you know, even by you being here is saying that, Hey, I'm not going to let that kind of stop me from elevating the business and keeping it going and giving people advice and talking to people about what I do or, you know, what I want to do. Well, I mean, I think ultimately like, like, well, like I said, like, I'm not here to gatekeep. There's no secrets. Like all this information or any information that you want in this industry can be found online. There, there are really awesome Instagram accounts dedicated to like supplying commercial photographers or advertising photographers with business information, like a photo editor, um, you know, ask Stern rep, something like that. And like, you can find whatever you want to find. I mean, a photo editor on his website, he breaks down like like actual contracts and bids and things like that on high end. High Dude, end I remember seeing that for the first time after going on a couple of different sets going like, well, how much money do you guys make? You know, realistically, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, here's a number. I'm thinking maybe, you know, $50,000 a year or something. And I'm looking at, you know, Google, what does the average photographer make? It's like 80. And I'm like, wow, it seems like a lot of money. And then going on set or seeing some of these, uh, seeing some of these contracts for like $250,000 and their creative fees are like $60,000 a day. I'm like, how do you get to that point? But I love it. I love that even knowing that that's out there, you know, you're seeing it kind of makes it a reality and you go, okay, you know what? While my creative fee might only be $2,500 today, eventually it's going to be 60 based on the exposure of the campaign and, you know, ad spend and blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and client too. I mean, you know, if you're shooting for Walmart corporate, you're not going to build in the same thing that you're going to build, you know, a, a smaller yeah. Like your you local know, grocery store or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, I think, you know, something that kind of resonated with me a lot, there's a local photographer here that, at, and, and at the time, like, I think he was doing bigger stuff, uh, but he, he definitely gatekeeps super bad. I mean, uh, to the point that we were shooting in the same space one time, I remember, and, and he like quit shooting. He didn't want anybody to know his lighting setup and things like that while I was there and, and waited on me to wrap up what I was doing and, and get out of there. And I just like, I never want to be that dude. I don't want anybody to look at me and, and think like that, yeah. <laughs> that, that I got some like special shit that don't nobody know about. Like, yeah, 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 you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Especially with as much information as available. It's like, dude, so you got a, you got a fun story that you can recall from a set that uh, either went good or really bad, or do you want to talk about? Kind of, I know what you want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Just give the people what they want. (laughs) We want the drama, dude. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, man. Like I've had, I've had some, some good shoots and I've had some bad shoots. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know what, what qualifies as a, as a special story necessarily. Um, I can't think of a good story. I mean, I know we've been on some projects together. Well, so I think what happens a lot of times, <coughs> right, when people think about shooting photos, right, we're looking for clear skies, we're looking for nice, 
nice lighting, blah, blah, blah. But in reality for the stuff that you shoot, right. You're shooting, you know, if you're shooting either hunting or fishing somewhere, like, I mean, what about in the Bahamas? I know that like, you know, you kind of have an idea of, no, I do the Bahamas is all sun. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking rainbows. That's what I'm saying. That's what you want, right? Like that seems like the 10 out of 10. That's like the ideal, right? Like you went on a shoot to shoot fishing, fly fishing, and you caught a shitload of fish in like one of the most beautiful places in the world. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Andros, uh, in the Bahamas, man, um, we shot that with tail fly fishing magazine. Um, and it was super rad. It's, it was my first time going there. Actually the only time I've ever been there. Um, but, uh, I mean that whole shoot was beautiful. Man. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we, uh, we walked a flat and our guide like, uh, showed us how to catch these little things. I don't even know what they are. They kind of look like limpets, little, little flat snails on rocks and, and you cut them out and dip them in the salt water and, and eat them. And, uh, it was a super, super, wow. super rad experience, man. Damn, like, that's I really the last day, I think we had like 30 to 40 mile an hour winds that day. And it made casting a fly rod kind of tough, but I mean, you know, still, still got it done. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. So, so back to kind of what you were, what you were saying about like shooting stuff, um, you know, the nature of what I do, the hunting and fishing, and, and it's not always sunshine and, and blue skies and, and all that stuff. And like, yeah, you're right. Um, a lot of what I do is for like sporting resorts or properties that would have like upland hunting on property or fly fishing on property or whatever it happens to be. Um, usually they want that stuff to look nice still, right? Because it's a, it's a tourism thing. They don't want people coming and thinking they're just going to get like dumped rain on the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, some of it though, like apparel company stuff, like I pride myself in authenticity. Uh, and yeah, like we'll shoot when it's shitty weather because that's part of it, mm-hmm. you know, and it just is what it is. Like we, uh, we just shoot in Montana, uh, last November and, um, we did some upland hunting, uh, in the prairie and it was, it was cold and the wind was blowing and we only killed a few birds. And, uh, the next day that we had like 50 mile per hour winds and there was ice on, we went fly fishing. There was ice forming on our rod guides. And I mean, it was just like not good conditions, but we still shoot it and show it because in a situation like that, that was, you know, for an outfitter, uh, it's part of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of why you, right. You buy outerwear is to protect yourself from the elements. Yep. I had a shoot one time, uh, with an apparel company, uh, called ABO. Um, we went and did a public land, Ohio whitetail hunt, uh, bow hunt. And me and me and one other dude hiked in, uh, one to two miles on public land each day, set up tree stands, um, hunting deer. Um, and it, rained on us for four of the five days that we were there <laughs> the entire time, you know, and that just, we didn't kill a thing like nothing, you know, and that's just the nature of shooting a, an actual hunt. Uh, you know, something that's not like canned that you're not paying for, for a deer or anything like that. It's just part of it. But you know, that's a story that gets told. Actually, that's a story that doesn't get told very often, uh, especially in the hunting and fishing industry, because, you know, ultimately like you don't have that like finality of it, like that, that kind of reward of the hunt, but you watch a lot of like hunting shows won't show you the, the fails on the side on, on, you know, that, that aspect of it, which is far more common than killing big deer. Of course. I mean, that's why it's, I mean, it, that's why it makes it exciting. You know, there is, if it was guaranteed when it wouldn't be called <laughs> hunting, right. They just call it farming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's, 
There's definitely a lot of places you can go and hunt on a farm. Like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Man, it's not it's not for me. I'm not into it. So, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, you know, you go and you you pick pick the deer that you want to kill or elk or you know, and I mean in Texas they have all kinds of animals, but yeah, uh, on these these high fence farms and you pay for that one specific animal and you are kind of guaranteed it. And, you know, That's and wild. It's just not not. Yeah, I mean, what's so. the? I don't know, man. There's no there's a. Uh, I don't know. One of my favorite quotes is like Yvonne Chavard from the CEO of Patagonia talks about when, uh, when he first hiked Everest, he went up and there was no ladders. There were no ropes. There was nothing. You went up and you really learned about yourself. You learned what you were capable of. You learned how you dealt with like these, um, these trivial things that would, would pop up and the difficulties. And it just made you a different person when you came down. He said, now you go up with these ropes and ladders and you come, you know, you go up an asshole and you come back down the same asshole that you went up. So yeah, so I think that like uh, for me as a as a as a sportsman, if you want to call it that, um, I I really like this isn't about photography at all. Um, I really like the work side of it, right? Like I like putting in the time, like patterning deer uh, or training dogs for bird hunting or whatever it happens to be. Um, and I and to to tie this in with everything, I really like that like connection, that full connection to your food, right? So. Like I have started early in the year, uh, you know, prepping land for hunting deer and we've got certain deer that we want to target and we kill that deer. And then now we're feeding my family with that deer. I think that's super rad. I think that there are a lot of people um, that, you know, for they like the image and the idea of hunting more than they like hunting itself. Super easy to just go and kill something quick uh, or something that's been farmed and you get your picture with it and you've got a world record deer hanging on the wall. You know what I mean? And all it costs was a little bit of money. Well, I would say the uh, back to the work part of what you do. It's, you know, I wonder what the poor people are doing today. <laughs> back to what you're saying about the prep work that, that takes to go in to, to do these things and to, without a doubt, you are a hundred times more qualified to shoot something like this project then I would shoot because I have no idea what goes into hiking it. Like, what do you even take, you know? So I feel like kind of serves a, it serves a purpose, right? It creates a more authentic photo because you know what you're looking for. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. That's where the authenticity comes into play. Like in terms of, uh, you know, being a photographer in the space, right. Is, um, let's face it, the majority of photographers um, are not necessarily sportsmen, sportsmen in the sense of hunting and fishing stuff uh, and and hunting like avid anglers and avid hunt hunters will call out a company or you on something that's super fake, um, especially fly fishing, like casting a fly rod looks a very specific way. And those guys will spot a fake like from a mile away. Um, I think that that's kind of what I get brought in with my expertise on as well. You know, when we are shooting these properties, like we know that we've got a time slot that's going to be for quail hunting and we have, you know, two hours and we've got to have quail like dead. Um, I know better than a producer is going to know typically what it actually takes to set that up and plant birds and the process that goes uh, into it kind of on the front end to get those shots within that a lot of time slot. <coughs> or, you know, we had a shoot one time down in, uh, down in Braze Island. And uh, I think the producer wanted to set us up for 
30 minutes before sunrise, you know, sunrise as, as every photographer knows sunrise is super quick. You know, you got 15 minutes of that light and that's, that's it. Uh, but we were shooting fly fishing and we needed to load everybody on two different boats and we needed to get a skiff, you know, to a flat that's 30 minutes away. And we also had to beat a tide. Uh, so that's where I come in and I know all these little nuances and like, nah, nah, call time can't be 30 minutes before call time has got to be an hour and a half before, you know, yeah. so that we can get on these boats and we can get out there and, and we're waiting on the sun versus trying to beat it. And that's where I would fall apart. I'm like, oh, okay, that should work. <clears throat> I think that's where, where like the connection to what you shoot becomes so important. You know, I can't really shoot team sports. Like, I, I mean, I guess I could take pictures of football, but I really don't know what's going on, you know, in the player's mind. So it, it makes it a little bit more difficult for me versus somebody that's like breathes football. And I feel like you, you breathe that outdoor space. So it makes you very accessible to, to that kind of imagery. So, yeah. So the one sport that I hate more than anything is football. (laughs) (laughs) And I got, uh, I got, you know, that's where I got my start was shooting high school sports for the, the daily newspaper. We talked about that earlier. And uh, I used to have to go shoot high school football games and I'd shoot the play. At the time I had to write my own cut lines too, which I think is, is pretty standard for most newspaper photographers, things like that. So I would shoot the play and then I would shoot the scoreboard and then I'd have to have my wife tell me what all it all meant. <laughs> That's incredible. That's great. That's great. And now we can submit this picture. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the newspaper will run it. That's great. That's let's see, that's a good pocket story, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on, I think man. that I think that shooting high school sports was good, right? Like I had the experience shooting skateboarding, which which is something moving and happens quick. And that's how high school sports are. And you, you know, like you can't just like, you can't just eye it and then pick a camera up and shoot it. You've got to be able to follow the ball in camera the whole time and, and actively focus and, and shoot photos and things like that. So I think those things like build a different set of fundamentals than what most photographers like get. Yeah, absolutely. You know, family photographers are going to have a different skill set. I know that, that I run into it all the time because I'm not a great family photographer, but I see people that do it and it's like, how do you pose people like this? I have no idea how to, how to do it. I don't got it, man. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I better just stick to what I know. Y'all tell that kid to go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Why is everybody crying? <laughs> yeah. On that note, if you only had a thousand dollars for marketing, how would you spend it? Um, so I think that if I only had a thousand dollars for marketing, um, I would use it to just shoot some personal projects. Um, so even, you know, a thousand dollars isn't a lot of money. So even if it's something that's like, like a sort of outdoor based travel piece, um, you know, use that money to go to another state and Humbers with my dog or something like camp in the truck and Humbers with my dog, uh, you know, and shoot a series of that, um, I think would be for me the best way to utilize that, that money, like an experience that I'm not going to get locally. Would you shoot that with a client in mind or would you just kind of shoot it as like a genre? I think I would shoot it as a genre. I think that, you know, personal projects, I typically don't have a client in mind. I just have something that I want to do that, you know, shows, I think I have something that I want to do that just expands like my kind of, kind of experience and portfolio in, in the, the world that I'm in. That's a good answer. I like that. I like, I think personal work, right. goes back to what we were talking about where you, you make images with your expertise and without that experience, without showing that experience and without 
physically doing it, you're really not showcasing your abilities as an outdoor sportsman and or a photographer. And when they merge together, right, I think that's when the, the magic happens. Well, I think that like if you're shooting a personal project um, with a client, like it's it's great to have the ability to sell this later on, right? Like it's super cool. Like it's awesome for me to be able to turn that that $1,000 into actual money at some point. Um, but I think if you go into it with a client in mind, it's no longer a personal project and each client has their own voice and, and sort of style that would narrate how you may shoot it. Even if it's subconsciously, that makes a ton of sense versus if you're just like, this is just some shit that I want to do. Yeah. I love that. This is what it looks like if I do it. Or like you've had that idea just burning in your head and you're like, this is, these are the five images I just got to make. Where do I make those at? Yep. And it's like Kentucky. That's where it's going to happen. I saw this image from this other photographer in Kentucky. That's where I want to be. I want to make these images. I think that's a good idea. Let's go somewhere other than Kentucky. (laughs) They got the best whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, man, I had a great time talking with you. I always appreciate your insights. I uh, learned a lot from you and other colleagues that definitely at a higher level. And uh, it's always really interesting to see your perspectives on things. So why don't you tell people where they can find you and find your work? And if they wanted to get in touch where they can drop a line. Yeah. Uh, you can find my work on my website. It's bobbyaltman.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at Bobby Altman as well. Uh, and really you can, if you want to reach out, you can reach out to me, uh, email, uh, it's Bobby at bobbyaltman.com or send me a message on Instagram or, you know, whatever happens to be, um, Give me a phone call, send me a text message, whatever. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to include all that stuff in the uh, description below. We appreciate you. Look forward to the next time. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely.